0: Welcome to the Kaleo Life Podcast. You can find more resources for gospel living and information about us by going to our website, kaleo.community. Enjoy today's sermon. So, uh, there is a Spanish saying. I know that you love it every time I, I bring up Spanish sayings. No, actually, I don't know if you like it or not. But there's a Spanish saying... That says something to the extent of when you see your neighbor's beard being cut off or trimmed or whatever, uh, start getting yours wet. Your beard wet. What do you think it means? (laughs) Whenever you see your neighbor's beard being trimmed, you better start getting your beard wet. Any guesses? You're next. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like when, whenever you see your neighbor that something is happening to them, you better get ready because you're next. And so the reason why I bring up this obscure Spanish saying that you'll probably never use in your life is uh, because that's what we have in, or that's what we should have have in chapter 5 of Daniel, right? We just went through the story of Nebuchadnezzar and how God hum- had to humble Nebuchadnezzar, because he would not humble himself before God. And so now we are introduced rather abruptly to King Belshazzar. And the point being, Belshazzar should have seen what happened to Nebuchadnezzar, and he should have humbled himself. But instead of humbling himself, he actually exalted himself. And then God's judgment came upon him as well. Okay, so that's, that's why I bring that saying. So next time you're at a family meal and something happened to someone else, make sure to say that so that they get ready for what's coming to them. No, I don't know. But let's read chapter 5 and, uh, and then we will pray. So Daniel chapter 5, I'm going to read the whole chapter. It says, King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought, that the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought in the golden vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Immediately, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, opposite the lampstand, and the king saw the hand as it wrote. Then the king's color changed, and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way, and his knees knocked together. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed, and his collar changed, and his lords were perplexed. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banqueting hall, and the queen declared, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you, or your color change. There is a man in your kingdom, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods, In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers. Because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel. Whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king answered and said to Daniel, You are that Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, whom the king my father brought from Judah. I have heard of you that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise man. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the Most High God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. And because of the greatness that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages Trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he killed, and whom he would, he kept alive. Whom he would, he raised up, and whom he would, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up, and his spirit was hardened, so that he dealt proudly, he was brought down from his kingly throne, and his glory was taken from him. He was driven among the children of mankind, and his mind was made like that of a beast, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. He was fed grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, until he knew that the Most High God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. And you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this but you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven and the vessels of his house have been brought in before you and you and your lords, your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. But the God in whose hand is your breath and whose are all your ways, you have not honored. Then from his presence, the hand was sent, and this writing was inscribed. And this is the writing that was inscribed Mene, Mene, Tekel, and Parsin. This is the interpretation of the matter. Mene, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Hares, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and Daniel was clothed with purple. A chain of gold was put around his neck, and a proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. This is the word of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these stories that have been recorded to exalt your name, to give us knowledge of you, to bring us to our knees so that we would humble our hearts before you and worship you. I pray that you would use this this text that we have before us to glorify your name, to speak to us. Pray that your Holy Spirit would be among us and that he would be our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so King Belshazzar, this is uh, kind of an interesting character because Literally, like he is, there, there's not even an introduction to who King Belshazzar is. It, it just starts with, and King Belshazzar made a great feast, right? We don't know anything about how he came to the kingdom. We don't know. I mean, we do know how he lost the kingdom. He died on that same night. Like this chapter, if you think about it, this chapter is a, is, is, it all happens in one day. Probably even in one night, right? All of this is happening. In one night, whereas with Nebuchadnezzar, we have a longer story. We have several things that happen throughout, throughout several years. Here with Belshazzar, we have something that happens in one night. One night, he is feasting with his people, his wives, his concubines, his lords. And then by the end of the night, he is dead. And so, you know, this is, this is, this is an incredible story. Just a little bit of background, just for the sake of accuracy. To be clear, Belshazzar is not Nebuchadnezzar's son. It is more likely that he is Nebuchadnezzar's. Uh, um, I'm blanking on the on the word. It's more likely that Nebuchadnezzar is his predecessor. And so when it says Nebuchadnezzar, your father, we know from other passages in scripture that when it talks about a father, not all it, it doesn't always talk about someone being you know their a blood relative but sometimes it talks about someone who, it, who comes before someone else and so in this case Belshazzar is someone who comes after Nebuchadnezzar probably a couple of kings after Nebuchadnezzar and then another interesting thing about Belshazzar is that he's not really the king he is the son of the king and but but the, his father, the king, was actually somewhere else. I think he was, he was in Arabia conquering some more land. And Belshazzar was left in Babylon as the second in command. And that's why when he wants to reward Daniel, the reward that he offers is for Daniel to be the third in the kingdom, right? Why? Because Belshazzar himself is the second. So he is offering Daniel to be second in the kingdom. Okay, so just a little bit of historical background. Uh, in case that, you know, you go back and you look up the, 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 the line of kings in Babylon, and then you realize that there's no one named Belshazzar. Well, it's because technically he was not a king. Um, so here is what I want us to, to, to see today in this passage, or or here's what I would, what I would want us to leave with in this passage. Be humble, be holy, and worship God. Be humble, be holy and worship God. So I want us to think a little bit about Belshazzar. I want us to think about his sin, about his condemnation, and about his judgment. And then later we will talk a little bit about uh, maybe thinking from Belshazzar's perspective, and then we will think from Daniel's perspective. So what was the problem with Belshazzar? What was the sin of Belshazzar? Well, I would say there were three different sins that he Uh, that he engaged in. The first sin was self-exaltation, right? The first thing that he engaged in was pride. He was a prideful man. Like I said, he saw what happened to Nebuchadnezzar, the king that came, you know, before him. And instead of humbling himself, instead of worshiping God, instead of turning to God and saying, yes, absolutely, God is the one that, that rules the kingdoms of man instead of that, He exalted himself, right? This is Daniel's condemnation, or or this is Daniel's assessment of him in verse 22. He says, And you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this, but you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven. So not only had he exalted himself, but he had exalted himself against the Lord of heaven, right? His Pride, his self-exaltation was a direct challenge of God. And so I think it's good for us to think about our own pride and realize that our own pride, our own self-exaltation, when we think of ourselves as more than we truly are, when we think of ourselves as the, you know, the, the, the master, the rulers of our own destiny, of our own future, when we think of ourselves in these terms, we're not only engaging in, in, in pride that is, you know, just neutral but every form of pride is exaltation against God, right? When we say, I have control of my life, we are saying God doesn't have control of my life, right? There, there's no neutrality there. Either you have control of your life or God has control of your life. And of course, we know that God has control of our life. And therefore, when we do not acknowledge that, we are on the same boat as Belshazzar, exalting our hearts, lifting ourselves up against the Lord of heaven. Now, the second sin that we see here of Belshazzar is that he defiled what belongs to God, right? Remember at the beginning of the chapter, at the beginning of the book of Daniel, we learned that Nebuchadnezzar, and it is interesting that this is literally the first thing that is said, that Nebuchadnezzar uh, conquered Jerusalem, he sieged Jerusalem, and he took the vessels from the temple of God and he brought them to the temple of his gods. So that's the, the first thing we learn. And then Nebuchadnezzar, even though he took, he took the vessels, and that was absolutely wrong of him, at least he had the decency to not use them for his own purpose. right? He put them with his gods, which that already was terrible. But Belshazzar takes it a step, a step further. right? Right? Belshazzar is, you know happy he's enjoying wine with with the people that you know with his lords his wives his concubines one interesting thing is that if Cyrus killed him that night then it is very likely that Belshazzar was in the middle of a siege in other words the the Medes and the Persians were sieging Babylon and Belshazzar was drinking wine with his people I don't know if this was his way of coping we don't know Right? We don't have the details, but it is interesting that this is what's going on. But the problem here, or the, the, the biggest problem in this case, is that he defiled what belongs to God. He went into the temple of his, or, or he asked for someone to go into the temple of his gods and take the vessels that had been taken from, the, from God's temple, and they used them for their own debauchery, for their own sin. So that's that's the second problem with him. And now I want us to think a little bit about our own, our, our own sin as well. And, you know, maybe I don't think anyone here would say, oh, I've taken things from the house of God and I've defiled them, right? Because number one, we don't consider this building the, the house of God necessarily, right? This is a building where the church gathers. But at the beginning of this series, one of the things that I pointed out is that in the Bible vessel is usually associated with someone's body, right? And so we know very clearly that all of us belong to God, that all of us are God's property, especially those of us who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. If you consider yourself a Christian, if you have trusted in Jesus, it means that you have been bought with the blood of Christ. And therefore your body is not your own. And when we engage in sin with our bodies, with our eyes, with our minds, with our, the members of our body, when we engage in sin, we are taking what belongs to God and we are defiling it. We are taking what belongs to God and instead of keeping that that belongs to God holy, we are defiling it. And then the third sin that... Belshazzar is engaging in is idolatry, right? It was not enough to exalt himself or, or, or uh, what does it say in verse? Uh, it, it, it was not enough to lift himself up against the Lord of heaven. It was not enough for him to take the vessels uh, that, had, that belonged to God. But after drinking all this wine, instead of worshiping God as he should have, instead of instead of seeing what happened to Nebuchadnezzar, instead of acknowledging God as sovereign and king, they all engaged in idolatry and they started praising the gods of silver, of gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. And Daniel says, which do not see or hear or know. But the God in whose hand is your breath, and whose are all your ways, you have not honored. And so, again, I want us to think about ourselves a little bit in this case. And, you know, again, maybe you would say, well, I've I've never praised the gods of wood and silver and gold. But we need to understand that idolatry is giving glory to anything other than God. Idolatry is attributing to something else, to anything else other than God, something that only belongs to God. To God, right? It's worshiping the creature rather than the creator. In fact, if you think about it, Belshazzar is, is almost a classic case study of Romans 1. In this chapter, Paul is describing the sinfulness of all mankind. He is describing the sin of, of everyone. And so in verse 18, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. I mean, this is basically what, what is happening with Belshazzar, right? He should have known God. Who God is was plain to him because he knew about Nebuchadnezzar. He knew what had happened to Nebuchadnezzar. But instead of worshiping God, he began to worship the creatures rather than the creator, right? Verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds, and animals, and creeping things. And then in verse, oh yeah, I read the verses that I wanted to read. So we see how this is displayed in the life of Belshazzar, right? He knew God. He should have known better. He should have humbled himself. He should have worshiped God. But instead, he exalted himself above God. He didn't give thanks to God. He defiled what only belongs to God. And he engaged in idolatry. So we already did, uh, did a little bit of this, but I want us to think maybe a little bit deeper about this. I want us to think from Belshazzar's perspective. And then I want us to think uh, from Daniel's perspective. So thinking from, or, or thinking about Belshazzar for a moment. I think the danger for all of us at this point would be to fall into the same pitfall that, Bel- that Belshazzar fell into and see his judgment and assume that we are good to go, that nothing is going to happen to us, right? That's, if, if you think about it, that, that's what happened to Belshazzar. He saw the judgment of Nebuchadnezzar and he didn't do anything about it. He saw the judgment or, or he learned, he, he heard about the judgment of Nebuchadnezzar but he didn't do anything about it. We don't know his motivation. Maybe he thought, hey, you know what? God, uh, things turned out good for Nebuchadnezzar or God gave, you know, God was very patient to Nebuchadnezzar. Look at all of the things that happened. And even after God humbled Nebuchadnezzar, after the seven seasons that he was uh, absolutely mad, God restored his glory to him, right? We don't know. We don't know his motivation, but the danger for us here is to join Belshazzar and seeing the, the judgment that Belshazzar himself is experiencing, and for us to do nothing about it. Now, I think another, another danger, another temptation that we could fall into is to see Belshazzar and say, Oh, I would never do something like that. Oh, I would never fall into anything like he did. You know, he he was a pagan king. And, and that was his problem, but I am a worshiper of God. I am a Christian and I would never do any of these things. Well, in Romans, again, this, this book in which Paul is talking to us about our sin and about the gospel in Romans chapter two, verse one, this is what Paul says. He says, therefore you have no excuse. Oh man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemned yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. He's saying you who are judging those who practice sin, right? All of us who are judging Belshazzar and Nebuchadnezzar for their pride, how dumb could they be? How could they not see the glory of God and just worship him? We need to be honest with ourselves and realize that this passage is not just condemnation for Belshazzar, but it's condemnation for us as well. The exhortation that Daniel or the condemnation that Daniel is giving Belshazzar is the condemnation that all of us deserve. Every single one of us has exalted himself against God. Every single one of us has become prideful and go against God. Every single one of us has defiled our bodies and the things that belong to God. Every single one of us has engaged in idolatry. If you are thinking right now, you know what? I'm not like Belshazzar. I'm good. I worship God. I grew up in the church. I know the Bible. I know all of these things. And I've never, you know, worshipped any images or anything like that. You need to heed Paul's words and think again. For in passing judgment one on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Every single one of us, like Belshazzar and Nebuchadnezzar, every single one of us are in need of God's mercy because of our sin. If you acknowledge that you are like Belshazzar, that you are like Nebuchadnezzar, that you are in need of the grace of God, well, there is incredibly good news, right? And the incredibly good news is that God, this perfect and holy God, right, who, is, who, who, who will not share his glory with another. He saw us and even when we were engaging in idolatry, even when we were uh, prideful against him, even when our minds were hostile against him, in his grace and in his mercy, he sent his son Jesus to die the death that we deserved because of our idolatry, because of our sin, because of our pride. And so this is incredibly good news, right? Jesus who came and he lived a, 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 he exemplified what, what humility is like. He never defiled himself. He never defiled his body. He never defiled anything that belongs to God. In fact, remember when Jesus went to the temple, he was so upset that God's temple would be defiled and he cleaned it and he showed ultimate worship to God when he went to the cross and offered himself up as a, as a perfect sacrifice. And so there is hope for every single one of us, even if you are convicted of your idolatry and your pride right now, come to Jesus, accept the mercy of God, repent of your idolatry and turn to him. I want us to think a little bit from Daniel's or not necessarily from Daniel's perspective, but think about Daniel for a moment, right? The, the, the main point that I, uh, that I mentioned earlier was be humble, be holy and worship God, right? This is the opposite of Belshazzar. Belshazzar exalted himself, but I'm, but God is calling us to be humble. Belshazzar, uh, defiled what belonged to God, but God is calling us to holiness. And Belshazzar engaged in idolatry. He worshiped other idols and gods and things, but God is calling us to worship him alone. And so. I think we find some really good encouragement in the life of Daniel. Yes, we have to realize that we are like Belshazzar. We engage in, we are prideful, we engage in idolatry, we defile what belongs to God. But when we come to Jesus, when we accept the salvation, the forgiveness that he offers, then we need to realize that it is possible by the power of the Spirit, it is possible for us to be like Daniel. It is possible for us to live. Uh, uh, to live in a humble way, to glorify God, to be holy. And that's what we see with Daniel, right? We see in Daniel, we see it, the example of someone who is humble, right? Think about his story. When when he was offered, uh, um, you know, this food, the food that the king was eating. And then, you know, he asked for a test where they would just eat vegetables and water. And it says that they became 10 times wiser. Than all the other people, 10 times stronger. They were way better than everyone else. We never hear of Daniel showing off, right? We never hear of Daniel exalting him, exalting himself. We know that Daniel was given so much wisdom and, and, and you know, he was revealed the mysteries of God. But every time that he was going to give an interpretation, he would, he would give it humbly, right? He would say, This is not. Because of me, this is not because I'm wiser than anybody else. This is because God wants to reveal his will to you. When Belshazzar offered Daniel, you know, all of these prices and the and the place, the the third place in the kingdom, he said, you can keep all of that to yourself. He was humble. And so we, as we live in exile, as we live in a society that is pagan, that is hostile to God, we need the humbleness of Christ. We need the humbleness of Daniel. We need to remember that those of us who understand the grace of God will never exalt themselves. We will never exalt ourselves if we understand that we were God's enemies and it is only by his grace that we are forgiven and that we belong to him. Now, we also see that Daniel was holy. He did not defile himself, right? Again, going back to the beginning of the story. He knew that he would have defiled himself if he ate the food that the king was offering, if he drank the wine that the king was offering, but he considered holiness. He considered obedience to God as something worth risking his life because he did not want to defile what belonged to God. He did not want to defile the vessel that he and his friends were. And we see the same thing with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we also see an example of of worshiping God alone. With Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, worship of this image that Nebuchadnezzar had made, it was commanded for every single person, you have to worship this image. When you hear the sound of the, the trumpets, the harp, the lyre, all of these instruments, you have to bow down and worship. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they decided, they were convicted That God alone should be worshiped, that nothing else or no one else should be worshiped. And so, my challenge for us is do we have that kind of resolve? Are we asking the Lord to give us humility, to help us to be humble witnesses of his gospel here in exile? Are we seeking that holiness and and are we uh, fleeing from sin and from defiling our bodies, or are we just happily and easily engaging in sin that will defile what belongs to God? And lastly, and I mentioned this la- uh, not last week, because Sam preached last week, but I mentioned these a couple this a couple of weeks ago, are we convinced that God alone should be worshiped and nothing else? right? All the glory belongs to God he is the only one that should be worshipped and that's one of the main points of the book right that God alone should be worshipped so let us continue to worship God let us uh, remember the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross as we take communion Um, so we're going to sing another song a couple more songs together but for this next song We will be thinking about the sacrifice of Jesus. We will be thinking about the body of Christ that was given for us and the blood of Jesus that was the price paid for our redemption. So, if you are a believer, if you have trusted in Jesus, if you know that you are fully dependent on the grace of God, then you are welcome to come and and take the elements, bring them back to your seat, and then at the end of the song, we will take them together. Let's pray. God, thank you for your. Grace for your mercy. Thank you for your greatness. Lord, I pray that we would acknowledge that we are all like Belshazzar and we are in need of your grace. And I pray God that in your mercy, by your spirit, you would bring us to humility, we would humble our hearts so that we would come to you, so that we would receive your grace and your mercy, and we would worship you alone, that we would be humble, we would be holy, and we would worship you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.